Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. If you have a Bible, I'd love you to turn with me, please, to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. Somebody say Mark. If you're Australian, it's Mark. If you're American, it's Mark. If you're South African, it's Mark. If you're Chinese, it's Muck. I just feel like it's going to be one of those nights. This is a, this is a mischievous church. I've just... It says this in uh, the 16th chapter of Mark. And I want to have a look at verse 9. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country and, went, and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Isn't it amazing how in verse 14, he's rebuking them for unbelief. He's, he's nailing them for being unbelieving mongrels. And then from there, he just jumps into verse 15 and says, By the way, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptised will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow. Somebody say follow. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. I love that. It doesn't say they'll lay hands on the sick and they might recover. It says they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The promises of God are still yes and amen. Do you believe that? Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord confirming with them, Sorry, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Amen. I want to use for a subject tonight, and I tried so hard to think of something snappy, the best I could get, and it'll make sense as I open it up. I want to speak tonight on a follower's following. A follower's following. He said, those who follow me, those who believe in me, there's some stuff that's going to follow them. Can we pray? Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, let the fire of God fill this place. Lord, anoint me to preach, anoint this group of people to receive the word of God. And Lord, I pray that the power of God will fill this house in the name of Jesus. Let the anointing of God come. Let people be saved, healed, delivered, baptized in the Holy Ghost tonight, filled with the power of heaven. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Jesus uh, was annoyed with his disciples. They annoyed him from time to time. So he's sitting there and having dinner and is rebuking their unbelief. Now, 
It's interesting when we look at the lives of the disciples, they saw him walk on water, they saw him pull Lazarus out of a tomb, they saw him uh, uh, deliver Mary Magdalene, they saw him feed 5,000 after stealing a kid's lunch, they saw him doing all kinds of supernatural things. Yet when it came to the resurrection, though it had been prophesied, though it had been declared that he'd rise again, it was believed that he would rise again, it, it, it seemed like they just didn't believe that that was going to be the case. And, and really what you had was you had unbelieving believers that Jesus had to sort out. And I believe that in church life today, we, we've got to be careful not to become just like that and become unbelieving believers. Uh, people who, who, who believe in a theory that God's supernatural, but when it comes to uh, this day and this hour, we don't really believe that God is in the business of doing miracles today. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to just use some uh, easy throwaway preaching lines, but we need to remember that the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. What He did to thousand years ago on the shores of Galilee, he can do in Austin right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be a, a Christian who's been saved, filled with the Spirit, touched by God. I never want to get to a place where I become an unbelieving believer and I doubt the power of God in this day and this hour. If there is something that the world needs more than ever before, it's a move of God. It's a move of God's Spirit. It's the power of heaven that will reach out and touch your heart and touch your life. And we can truly know that greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. And, and so Jesus rebukes their unbelief and hardness of heart. And He's saying, don't be unbelieving believers. And then he says to them, I want to talk to you. And he says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he says, if you believe in me, he says, there's going to be some signs that follow you. You know, I've, I've met Christians that will sell, uh, sell stuff to raise a bit of money to get on an aeroplane so they can uh, follow, I guess, a... A, a, a person being used by the Spirit of God and it really follows signs and wonders all over the world to try and be around it. But the Bible doesn't say to follow signs and wonders. The Bible says that signs and wonders should follow us. And, and, and the truth is often we think signs and wonders are limited to the Benny Hins of this world or, or the Reinhard Bonkies of this world or the senior pastors of a church that signs and wonders are gifts from heaven for believers. He doesn't say uh, 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 these signs will follow those who have ministry credentials or have a ministry gift. He said that the, the, the things of my power and presence uh, are reserved uh, for nobody. They, they are not exclusive. They're inclusive. They're for the body of Christ. If we would dare to believe God, that it's for this day and this hour. If you believe it, can you say amen? So, so man, he says, he says these signs will follow those who believe. And then he says, in my name. And then he starts telling us what's going to happen in our life in the name of Jesus. But before he does that, he just reminds them that they don't need to live in doubt and fear because they've been given a name that's above every name. The Bible tells us that all authority has been given in His name. He says, in my name, in my name, you're going to see things happen. Do you know, religion will muddy people's perception of, of the power that's in the name of Jesus. And we, we hear the name of Jesus thrown around with, in, in, in a religious way. I mean, you look at Christmas, we'll sing about, about Jesus. But, but the truth is, if people realise the power that was in His name... 
I mean, you, you call on that name. You, you, people called on that name today. At one point or another, you called on that name. And, and, and one moment, you, you're on your way to a lost eternity in hell. And you called on the name of Jesus. And in a split second, your whole eternity changed. I mean, that, that, that's a powerful name, man. I mean, that, that name still heals cancer today. That, that name still heals arthritis today. That name still delivers and sets free. His name works. It's a powerful name. There's power in the name of Jesus. Oh, man, I, I feel like something's about to happen in this place. He says, in my name. call on that name, things happen. You can call the name of David. You get nothing. I mean, I'll call you back. You call on the name of Jesus. So sometimes, mate, you know, I grew up in Sunday school, man, where not like, I've seen your Sunday school. It's like five star. It's awesome. I, in fact, I almost wanted to go to Sunday school this morning or kids church and not even preach. It just looks so good. But, but, but here's the Here's the thing, when I went to kids' church, we didn't have all that stuff. We just had, I don't know if you, we, we, I'm using Australian terms, I hope it makes sense, but we had like, like a felt board. Do you use the word felt? And it was like a, like a bit of a, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, yeah, you're getting nostalgic. You're saying, bring it back, it'll help the children. No, it won't help the children. Big felt board, and you had like a little felt Jesus, you know? And after a few years, the whole thing started to fade a little bit, and... Uh, Jesus wasn't looking too good. It felt Jesus was looking like he, he could do with the holiday. He was looking like he needed some mental health days. And, and we'd look at that, that, that Jesus. And, and we were told, man, if, if, uh, if something's wrong, you need to call on him. And you'd look at felt Jesus. And there he is with a smile on his face and holding a little sheep and not looking that strong. And we were told that's, that's the Jesus that you call on. But, but, but this Jesus was so, so sedate and palatable to religious needs. But I prefer the Bible Jesus, who's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. I, I, like, I, like the, I like the Bible Jesus, who went to church one day, didn't like what was happening. And he busts out a whip. I mean, who brings a whip to church? I said to the Lord, God, why are you bringing a whip to church? He said, son, it's my second amendment right. And I said, fair enough. I ain't going to mess with that. That joke always, in other states, people laugh. In Texas, they just say, amen. You know, darn right it is. Get her done. <laughs> Jesus walks in, he starts whipping people. That's awesome. That's not what a whip sounds like, by the way. But he's whipping people. And then, he, then he's throwing over people's tables. The nice old lady who made some lemonade, her table was gone in the crossfire. I mean, the Jesus in the felt board in kids' church, he wouldn't have done that. He would have written a strongly worded letter. But I, I, I don't, I'm, not into, I'm not into making Jesus look palatable and... I mean, Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Man, when He comes back, the Bible says He's going to destroy the Antichrist with one breath of His nostrils. Sorry, I, I, I have misspoken. Not one breath of His nostrils. One breath of His nostril. The devil 
is a single nostril adversary. Look, I'm not here to get into eschatology, but while we're on the point, we're gonna be riding with him in the clouds, coming back with Jesus. He's gonna hair white like wool, eyes like fire. And we're gonna to get to the battle of Armageddon. You know why it's called Armageddon? Because when we get there, they're gonna say Armageddon out of here. And so we're gonna be there gathered with all the hosts of heaven. And there's the Antichrist and we're gonna be ready for a sword fight. It's gonna be like a dog fight. We're gonna be pumped. And Jesus is gonna go, put your swords down, fellas. I got this. That's it. That's it. He doesn't even need to use both nostrils. Just one nostril. Which is very effective during flu season. Religion will make Jesus look small and weak, but I've come to remind us he's strong. And don't, don't let us be pacified by religion. Let, let us remember who Jesus is, who he says he is. You know, I was watching Dr. Phil and I don't know if that was okay or not. But he's a good Texan man. So I'm watching Dr. Phil, Pastor Rex, and he starts talking about this condition called the lullaby effect. The lullaby effect. And he says, he was talking about it in the context of we hear things over and over and over again. And we, we start to believe them as, as being true, even though what we're hearing and what the actual message is are two different things. And, and, and he was talking about in the context of nursery rhymes and lullabies. And the same goes with religion. We hear uh, God in a religious context. And we start to lose our faith in who he really is. And we just start to believe this pacifying uh, kind of, uh, uh, I guess, commentary about a, a pretty relaxed, chill Jesus. And, and with the lullaby effect, it works something like this. And if I can illustrate it with, with the song, I'll show you how it works. And, and this is what happens because sometimes we hear the song and we don't even hear the message of the song. Illustration, here we go. rock a baby on the treetop. Has anyone in the room here ever stopped at any point in that song and just asked a simple yet fair question, why is there a baby in the top of that tree? Who put that baby there? rock a baby on the treetop when the wind blows. The cradle will rock. Question? (laughs) Who put the baby's bed at the top of the tree? When the bough breaks. I didn't know what a bough was. I googled it. A bough is a branch. When the branch breaks, the cradle will fall. Down will come baby. Cradle and all. We think it's a nursery rhyme. It's not. It's, it's, about, it's about a mother who'd had enough. She was done. Done, Brian. Done. Had enough. But we've heard it so many times. We've been pacified by it. We don't even realise the strength of the words. Songs about this mother. Johnny's crying. Ah, ah, Johnny, if you don't be quiet, I'm going to put you in the top of that tree. And I'm not, I'm not going to do it today. I'm going to wait for a Louisiana hurricane to come through. And so that's what happened. And these days, you in this very room, 
have rocked your kids to sleep. Singing Rockabye Baby. And other people are thinking, that's a sweet mother. No, that mother's threatening that child. I'm telling you right now. It's a threat. (laughs) Amen. That's great. (laughs) We, the truth got lost somewhere in that song. Let us never be the kind of people that the truth of Jesus gets lost. Let's keep it alive. Let's talk about Jesus full of faith, full of power, full of the grace of God. He says, in my name, and he says there's four promises. There's four blessings following us. I want to have a look at these. I won't take too long. I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something in here. He says, in my name, number one, he says, you'll cast out demons. Now, what is he saying right there? Number one, he's talking about supernatural authority. Somebody say supernatural authority. As I said before, Jesus even said, all authority has been given in my name. And so he says, in my name, he says, you'll cast out demons. You'll have supernatural authority over the powers of darkness. Can I tell you, the devil's real. That realm is real. Uh, The truth is that the devil was defeated at Calvary. We can walk in victory over the enemy. But the truth is he wants to come against you all the time. He's your adversary. He doesn't want you to go to heaven. He doesn't want your family serving God. Every now and then we've got to draw a line in the sand and let the enemy know that when he's coming against us, we say enough's enough. In the name of Jesus, I take authority. You're done. You've had it. You're done in Jesus' name. But the thing about authority, if I... Wearing what I'm wearing right now, when stepped in front of a truck or a bus and motioned to that bus to pull over, uh, that bus can keep going and has absolutely enough power and, 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 and it's robust enough that literally if the bus wanted to ignore me, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be weird, but it, the bus could even run me down and, and, uh, and nobody, it wouldn't even miss a beat, you know? The, the buses wouldn't even be, there wouldn't even be a dent in the bus. The point that I'm trying to make is if I stood in front of that same bus wearing a, a, an Austin police officer's uniform, I'm no stronger physically, I'm no taller in stature physically, but I'm given a badge that says from the city of Austin that I now have delegated authority to tell something far bigger than I am exactly what it should or shouldn't do. And I want to tell you, you may not be big in stature in the natural, but you've been, been given authority. And, and, and I want to tell you, when the enemy comes against you, whether you've got it right or you've got it wrong, whether you've made mistakes or whatever, he, he doesn't submit to you, he submits to the authority that you carry. And I want to tell you, when you've been given a name like the name of Jesus, we have authority and it's time for the church to square its shoulders and walk with its head held high and walk in the authority that God's given them and understand that in the name of Jesus, we have dominion. We have authority. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Born to rule and reign in life by one Christ Jesus. In my name. My dad's an evangelist and I remember as a kid, pastor, uh, I went with him to one of his crusades and up on the back wall of the, it might have been in our tent, I can't really remember exactly where it was, but there was a big sign that said Jesus. And, uh, and my dad was preaching and a guy comes into the service who was obviously affected by the, by the enemy. And so he starts manifesting in the meeting. And my dad points to him and I don't know why he did this. I was just a young fellow, but he points to the guy, he says, sir, I'm sorry to point at you, ma'am. I'm not suggesting anything. I'll just... He says, sir, in the name that's on that sign, be free. 
And he was. He got delivered. And so we get in the car afterwards and my dad says to me, David, I learned two things today. I said, what's that? He said, you know, there's still power in the name of Jesus. And I said, yeah. And he says, you know what else? I said, what? He said, demons can read. But can I tell you, even as a young kid, I saw what the enemy does to a human life and I saw what Jesus can do in one moment. I'm telling you, we've we got to start recognising we have authority. Number two, number two, he says, in my name, you'll speak with new tongues. He's talking about supernatural power. Supernatural power. I know I touched on this this morning, but I feel I'd like to mention it again tonight. We're going to pray and see what God does. But he says, in my name, they'll speak with new tongues. One of the last things Jesus preached is this passage. And the very last thing he was talking about was us being filled with that power in order to have that experience. Supernatural power. Jesus said, Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. Somebody say power. That word power comes from a Greek word dunamis, from which we get English words such as dynamic, such as dynamite. God wants us to be filled with that dynamic of the Spirit, baptized with the dynamic of power from heaven in order for us to do what God's called us to do. We get words like dynamite from words like dunamis. There is dunamis power in God, the supernatural power that does the heavy lifting. So when we pray, supernatural things begin to happen. I'm telling you, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, when you have a prayer language from heaven, you speak in tongues, you, you have a river that now flows out of your life that is supernatural. And not only do you have authority to, to tell the devil what he can and can't do and speak over things, but then you now also have an added dimension called power. And when you got the power of the Holy Ghost, you can walk up to somebody with afflictions, with diseases, with problems, and you can release the power that is in you and it can obliterate those problems by the power of God. Jesus said you receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I was on an aeroplane a few years back now and I sat next to this lady on the plane and and I'm not one for wanting to have too many conversations in the air. I like to just sort of chill and just get away from it all. And, and uh, it's one of the rare times your phone's not on. And, and so you just can relax a little bit, you know. And so I get on the aeroplane and, and I, I realize the lady sitting next to me, she, she's not just a Christian. She's like almost a bit too Christian. Uh, she had a t-shirt on that said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles that run not, not grow weary. She had a, a vest on, a denim vest. And uh, on one, one side of the vest was the first five of the Ten Commandments. On the other side of the vest was the other five. Uh, she had a badge up here that said, uh, like, like a, a button, a, a diamante button that said Jesus. The other one on the other side said Spirit-filled. Uh, she had earrings. She had fish earrings. Uh, not... Not, not, not fish, not like goldfish, like a, you know, the, the fish, the fish one. She had that going on. She, I mean, she didn't have perfume. I swear she, she had Rose of Sharon anointing oil that she bought from a TV preacher for her best gift of 20 bucks, you know. And I knew she'd crossed the line because she didn't just have a Bible, she had a Bible cover. Now, I've got nothing against a good Bible cover, it protects your Bible, but this Bible cover had scripture on the front of the Bible cover, just in case the zipper malfunctioned. She could at least go, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God stands forever. She was so saved. I felt like she needed a bit of carnality just to 
dial it back a little bit, you know. She, she was, uh, and, and so she had these beads on and uh, all different color beads. And she's just waving them in my general direction. And, and the problem is for me, I just, it aroused my curiosities. And I, I, try, I didn't want to tell her I was a Christian because I just didn't want the rapture to happen. I wasn't ready. And, <laughs> and so I'm sitting next to this lady and she's waving there. And so I couldn't help it. I just cracked. I said, nice beads. And she says, they're my evangelism beads. This was here in the States. They're my evangelism beads. I said, your evangelism beads. What are they for? She said, evangelism. I said, well, the name makes sense, I guess, you know. And so then she goes and tells me the gospel according to the, uh, according to the beads. And it was, it was cute. It was nice. This woman was so Christian, Pastor Rick. She looked like she'd been in a Lifeway bookstore during a hurricane and just walked out with the debris. You know, it's like, hey, how's it going? And then boarded the airplane. So she gives me this story of what the beads mean. And, and, and I remember sitting there thinking after she'd gone through this little story, I thought to myself, man, if the future of the Church of America, if the future of global evangelism, if the future of the salvation of mankind depends on these beads, we've got a problem. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say you shall receive beads when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. <laughs> nowhere. I've, I've checked. Aren't you glad the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus when he got hit by the power of God, he hits the ground. He didn't get up and go, oh, I have beads. I must tell everyone about Jesus and make his name known throughout the earth. He, he didn't. And, and the problem is often we, 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 get, we get hooked on gimmicks and stuff. And, and I, I want to just say, I'm just a young guy. I don't know everything, but I can tell you, I've seen in, even in my time gimmicks come and go. I don't want another gimmick. I just want the power of heaven. I just want, I just want a bit of Holy Ghost, man. I, I want the supernatural river of God to touch my heart, touch my life, touch your heart, touch your life. In the name of Jesus. Man, I, I feel the presence of Jesus, you know. It says, in my name. In my name. Filled with power, filled with the presence of God. Number, number three says, in my name, you'll take up serpents. I never really knew what to do with that. Take up serpents. You know what he's actually saying here? Uh, and I only came across this very recently. A commentator said that when new roads were being forged, that it was a common, it was a common phraseology of the day to say, you've got to basically watch out for snakes when you're pioneering new roads. And he says, you'll, you'll, you'll receive supernatural protection as you step out and do the will of God. That as you, as, you, as you under the anointing of God forge new things, believe God for you to take uh, new steps of faith, God says, man, there might be serpents that come, but you'll take them up and they have no power. It doesn't mean we go and join the local church that passes the snake around. Uh, I don't encourage that. Uh, if I had a choice between coming to Christian life or going to the first church of the rattlesnake, I... <laughs> I think I'd come here. Uh, the Rattlesnake Church is not a big church. Uh, it's a small church. I don't know why. It's, apparently rattlesnakes are not conducive to church growth. <laughs> to me, it doesn't make sense anyway why, you, why, why they would do that when in Acts chapter 28, Paul gets bitten by a snake and he shakes it off. We don't need to pick up snakes. We need to shake those things off in the name of Jesus. And, and he says supernatural protection. I'm nearly done. Number four. 
He says, in my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And he's talking about supernatural miracles. Uh, I was preaching. Seems like I've been talking about this same church all day today, but I was preaching at Brownsville. This is maybe 2011, I think it was. And I was speaking a weekend there and, and, uh, and I was speaking the Sunday morning. And there was another speaker on the Saturday night and she was a lot older than me and what they wanted to do was have a young preacher and an older preacher. So they had me, I was about 30 at the time, and the older preacher was a lady who's now with the Lord uh, by the name of Sister Mary Jenkins. And, and she was, at the time, she was 100 and, 102 or 103. And, and so she was the adopted daughter of and grew up raised in the home of Smith Wigglesworth and his wife. Do you know who I'm talking about when I talk about Wigglesworth? So, so Wigglesworth is one of the great pioneers of faith uh, in, 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 in modern day. Uh, at the turn of the century, he would move in such signs and wonders and miracles, he literally would raise the dead. And one day, there was a famous story that went around, and I'm sure every, every preacher has preached this story as something. Uh, he went to a funeral, he, he got the body, and, and, and threw the body against the wall, raised him from the dead, uh, is what the story I had been told. That, that's the story. So I end up in the side room, uh, eating key lime pie with this lady, uh, Mary Jenkins. It's just her and me. And we're just having a chat. I think, okay, well, I'm going to make some small talk with Mary Jenkins. How do you make small talk with someone that's 102? I started with, how was the Spanish Inquisition? She said, one of the best Inquisitions I've seen. I was like, terrific. But, but this lady was very, very elderly. She had, she had a massively thick accent. So I struggled to understand uh, her accent. She, and I'm not trying to be unkind, but she, I don't think she had a full set of, and I'm really not trying to be unkind, but I don't think she had a full set of dentures. I couldn't understand what she was saying. But, but I did my best. I needed the gift of interpretation. See, So I, so I said to her, I said, ma'am, uh, is it true that Smith Wigglesworth went to a funeral one day, got the body out of the coffin, threw him against the wall and raised him from the dead? She said, she goes, baby, she said, that's an exaggeration. I said, what do you mean an exaggeration? She said, he didn't throw nobody against no wall. He just pushed him against the wall. I said, was he raised from the dead? She said, oh, yeah, baby. I said, I said, how do you know? And she looked at me. I'll never forget. She goes, baby, I was there. So I did what any sensible uh, young pastor would do. I said, lady, lay hands on me right now. Just let me finish my key lime pie first, please. I said, like, so she just, in the name of Jesus, thump, I hit the floor, I couldn't get up. It's just her and me. And all I remember when I was out under the power of God, I remember the door opening just a little bit and then just closing again. I don't know what people thought they saw. There was me, an old lady in a wheelchair, and I'd been assaulted. It was quite a sight. She starts prophesying, but I didn't understand what she said. She's like, to this day, Pastor Brian, I don't know what she said, but it's the best prophetic word I've ever had. I'm tell- Sometimes it's not what they say, it's how they say it. I went home and I wrote it in my journal. I drew a squiggly line and a picture of a butterfly. I felt that was the best interpretation. But here's the thing, and I don't want to be dishonouring, but Brother Wigglesworth, he's, he's with Jesus. And, and, and too often growing up in charismatic Pentecostal circles, you hear about these great revivalists and whoa, aren't they awesome? And yes, they are. And we honor them. But the problem is they're they're absent from the body, present with the Lord. And we're still here. We need some people to rise up in the same power 
Jesus walked in. Man, I feel like I'm preaching. Just a... God, give us some Christians who carry some power, who, who carry some miracle power and to that which is impossible. Hallelujah. I want to carry something, you know. Oh, bless God, man. That was a hundred years ago. What about today? America, Australia, Africa, Asia, South America, the islands of the sea, Europe. There's never been a day in history like this day and there's never been a greater need for a move of God. And we got Christians just sitting around singing Kumbaya, man. We got Christians sitting around fighting over what they should be believing theologically or not believing, fighting over this, fighting over that. And, and yet God just says, my prayer is that that be one. He, he wants us together and, and serving Him. My prayer is that we would, as the body of Christ, come together and recognize our need for Jesus afresh and, and see a move of God that will shake this world. With the wonder of heaven in the name of Jesus. Supernatural miracle. Supernatural power. Man, I want to carry the power of God everywhere I go. I, I pre, in, in, I, I'm, a, I'm an assembly of God boy. And I uh, grew up AOG, assemblies of God. That's just what I grew up in. And it works. I think we're going to heaven, I'm not sure. But we used to have this ministry called Royal Rangers. There's some in every church. It's just frightening. I know they've scattered. They're the remnant. God will bring them back. Replacement theology. You know. And so I'm preaching this meeting for the Royal Rangers in, in Queensland and there, there's a Royal Rangers leader there by the name of Yuka, who's still my friend today. And Yuka is in the service from Finland. He's in Australia. And, and we're just having Holy Ghost meetings, you know. We're praying for people. They're getting laid out under the power of God. I, I believe in a bit of that, you know, a bit of Holy Ghost power. And, and so they're, they're getting touched. And, and so Yuka comes up to me after the service. And, and, he's, and he got touched in that meeting as well. He said, would you come to Finland and, and, and speak to the, the National Assembly of God youth camp? And I thought, sure, it'll just be, you know, it'll be... Youth camp? I don't mind doing a youth camp. I didn't realize that when we got there, it was in a 3,000-seat tent, you know. It was like a, a serious thing. And so he says, I want you to come and bring the power of God because we know God in name only, but we've lost the power. And, and he said, would you come and bring the power of God? I said, I'd be honored. So I flew over there, and when I landed in, in Helsinki, another youth pastor who wasn't in charge, Yuka was in charge, but he was sort of under, under Yuka. He had a whole different view on everything. So he says to me, he says, he goes, the first, basically the first thing he says is, we don't believe that speaking in tongues uh, comes together with the baptism in the Spirit or is the, is the evidence of the baptism in the Spirit or however you want to link it. He just said, we don't believe that. He said, we don't believe that healing's in the atonement. We don't believe that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed is basically what he's saying. And this is the assemblies of God in Finland. He says, we don't believe that uh, falling out under the power is... is uh, is for us, that's just an American thing. And I said, well, brother, I'm Australian. And it happens in Australia too. 
and it even happens in Canada. I know that comes as a great shock. Uh, it happens in New Zealand. It happens in Papua New Guinea. I've seen it happen in India. Very, very good, I tell you. Very good. <laughs> and so he's just sitting there going, well, good luck with that. And then he says, and by the way, you'll have 2,500 at your meeting, but then the next meeting there's bands coming in, so no one's going to come and want to hear you and all this stuff. So I'm like, for real? All right, well, that's, that's not fun. And I got depressed. I was feeling depressed. I mean, I got victory over it, but I just had to whinge and complain for a little while. So I'm just complaining. And then I felt the anointing come on me in the car after this guy said it. So I just sat quiet for a minute. I started going like this. <laughs> he goes, what's so funny? I said, bro, I got bad news. He said, what's that? I said, you've picked the wrong person for your little camp, bro. He said, why is that? I said, I believe Jesus saves, fills with the Holy Ghost, touches lives, does miracles. And I said to him, before I was wondering what to preach. Now I know exactly what I'm going to preach on. I'm preaching on the fire of the Holy Ghost. So, so, so we get up in the first session, 2,500 people in the tent. I've got an interpreter that, that, that wasn't spirit-filled. Nice guy, but wasn't spirit-filled. And, and, uh, and so I'm pre- preaching away. You need the fire of God. And I got excited in the middle of the message. I went, shanda. He goes, hallelujah. I'm like, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. And so the, the point, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm bringing the interpreter into this thing. So, so we, I preach this message. You need the baptism in the spirit. You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got to get a prayer language. You're going to get touched. God's going to touch you with the power of God. All over this place, people are going to feel the Holy Ghost. Let God touch you. Get ready. Expect the power of God to hit your body. You're never going to be the same. All of that stuff. And, and, so, and so the first girl I called up and prayed for, I said, sweetheart, come up here. Let me pray for you. There was no usher to stand behind her because they didn't believe she'd fall down because we're in Finland and not America, even though I'm Australian. And so I prayed for her. I said, in the name of Jesus, the minute I put my hand on her head, the fire of God hits her. She just collapses, hits the floor. We suddenly had an usher for, 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 for safety reasons. And, and so... But the power of God, in that session, I prayed for about 600 people. Every single one of them hit the floor under the power of God. The next, so I said, okay, in the next session, I'm going to pray for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But I thought no one was going to come because there was all bands and everything in other tents. The next service, not only did we have the whole crowd back, but we had all the camp workers coming. We had 3,000 people under this tent. Isn't that awesome? So I preached on... The language of heaven. I preach on speaking in tongues. You're prayer language. 1,200 people got baptized in the Holy Ghost in that one service. Speaking in tongues. It was unbelievable. The next morning, the next morning, it seemed like we had more again in that tent. Not too much more like the time that time, but, but it seemed like even more. We laid hands on every single person under that tent. I'm telling you, we had a move of God so great in that place. Can, can, can I tell you, I, I'm, there's nothing special about me. I, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't walk around like I'm the oracle of God. All I am is just an insecure pastor's kid from a broken home in the back blocks of Adelaide, but I'm simple enough to believe what the Bible says, in my name, you'll have power, you'll have authority, and you'll see miracles. And can I tell you, God's no respecter of persons, it's for all of us. This move of God's for every person that would dare to believe God in the name of Jesus. If, you, if you'd agree, man, if you believe in the anointing of God, why don't you give God a praise in here for just... Why don't you make some noise for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Can we get a keyboard player? Come on, let's give Him praise. Why don't you stand to your feet and give God a shout in here? That's, that's what I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you that I had my, non, my non-charismatic, non-Pentecostal interpreter. By the third session, I couldn't even pray for people 
Because I tried to get my hand on their head. And before I could, the interpreter was in there before going, Fire! It was awesome! You and I need the power of God, man. You and I need some supernatural Holy Ghost revival in our heart and in our life in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, why don't you raise your hands all across the house? I said it before, the Bible says in Psalm 144, it's God who, blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. When we raise our hands... We're touching something in God, our fingers, our hands, elevated to heaven. We do battle in the spirit dimension and see victory and blessing come. When we lift up our hands and worship the Lord, why don't we just lift our hands all across this place? Jesus. 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 If you're hungry, let's just, let's just lift our hands to heaven. God, you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our praise. Hey, good call. Does anyone in the house believe that tonight? Does anyone believe it? There is power. Come on, the more the merrier. To break every chain. There is power. Can we just lift up our hands and sing that tonight? There is power. I feel like something's going to happen in here tonight. Come on, let's sing it out. To break every chain. Hey! Hey, come on! And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.